Good Friday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and thank you kindly for joining us here on Real Talk with Keith Smith. It's a pleasure to connect with you through the I Love Seville Network, a show that is live on just about every social media platform known to mankind. And this show is dynamic, and you, the viewer and listener, can shape the discussion. And we're going to talk an industry that is shifting and changing literally from a day-to-day basis. I was reading The Economist yesterday, and this was one of the lead stories, the decoupling of commissions and real estate. It was um, all over CNBC this morning. It was on NPR this morning. It was on local radio this morning with Monticello Media. And even the Daily Progress and the print product, and no, I don't read it that often, had about 10 inches yesterday in the newspaper about this. Judah Wickow, our director, if you can go to the studio camera and then go to the four shot, and we will welcome a cast of characters and a panel of pros. Keith Smith, Andy Zeman, and one of our favorite people, Candace, is in the house. Yeah. How are you? Love Guys, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So again, it just as we were doing the, 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 the live talking or tapping people on shoulders, as Jerry would say, I just want to give a quick shout out to my fellow Marines out there. Happy birthday today. Today is 248, so uh, to all my fellow Marines out there. So uh, this is a great opportunity because we've got a loan officer extraordinaire sitting to the right One of, the best. of me. Um, and then a real estate agent extraordinaire to, to the right of, of Andy. So, look, uh, we'll just kind of kind of kick this off. You know, the, the world is, as I refer to it, is in the middle of an O-shift, real estate O-shift. We've been talking about this for quite some time, uh, this decoupling. Um, I've been boiling it down to um, this is the way one does a for sale by owner. So I really would like from a, from a loan officer's perspective, right? So if I have a – Candace is a seller. She's doing a for sale by owner. I'm a buyer's agent. I have a buyer broker agreement because that's what I've got. I do my job. I'm all good to go with that. And uh, we put an offer in. It includes how I get compensated. Walk me through how that process happens on a for sale by owner because I think ultimately that's the model – what we're yeah. going to be going forward. Yeah, well, from Do a you agree with that? Uh, I mean, I agree that that could be the way that we head. I think that there's probably going to be uh, a lot of scenarios that can play out sure. and, and things that we'll probably bring up on this call. But, you know, we have that scenario happen. In my, you know, almost 25 years of doing this, the scenarios happen a lot. Sure. And it's somebody, <laughs> a, a client maybe that we've referred or an agent has referred to us and they find the ideal home and it's a for sale by owner. And the conversation uh, begins, which is, will you pay the agent commission and say we've got a staunch for sale by owner? The for sale by owner is either going to say, yes, I will, or no, I will not. And if they say, no, I will not, well, then it's partly up to me to help the agent figure out how to get compensated in that particular case. And the answer is really pretty simple, which is, from a traditional standpoint, we'll increase the purchase price of the home to include that, uh, that commission, which is to be paid. And it becomes a buyer-financed expense, uh, but it's, it's an easy way to fix it. And, you know, that opens up Pan- – this whole thing opens up Pandora's box, by the way. I mean, there is, there's a well, we lot. Talk, we talked but- about this on, on Monday with, with, with Denise Remy. Uh, Denise Remy. Remy, thank you. We talked about it on Wednesday. Look, and, and I'm on, on record of, of saying this. We kind of did this to ourselves up until this point, you know, when you start sending out um, Facebook posts, I sold the house in 13 seconds. 
right? You know, what does it tell the public, yeah. right, on all this stuff? But what we're not talking about is right. the work that goes from point A yeah. to, point, to point B. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and in that for sale by owner scenario, what we have is we have a buyer who understands the value that they're getting from the real estate agent and honestly feels at an advantage because they have professional representation, whereas the seller is going lone wolf, right? And, and probably not somebody who has great experience selling properties. So the end game is, is the buyers that I've worked with over the years that have had that scenario occur are working really, really hard with us to try to figure out how to get that compensation done for the agent. And most of the time, it, it, it does get complete. The, the, you know, the issue becomes, okay, well, what if it doesn't appraise? Well, this is where a good lending team comes into play. So the reality is, is when you understand the world of mortgages, which I'm not going to dive into because I don't want your audience to go to sleep, but when you understand the world of mortgages... i got a feeling you could do it pretty good. <laughs> a 3% variance in a purchase price if an appraised value is not met does not actually affect a buyer's overall terms. Even if it takes them from 20% down to 17% down, it doesn't affect a buyer's terms. The rate stays the same. The cost on the mortgage effectively is exactly the same. The only thing that changes is that 3%. So let's just say we take a, an average sale price of 400, well, let's just use 500,000 because I like simple math. Well, that's $15,000. $15,000 in today's marketplace changes a payment about $115 a month. So the average home buyer lives in their home for six years. Well, when that's you, changed now. Well, it is, but let's just, if we look at long term statistics, we can call it 10 years or whatever we want to call it. You're still not paying $15,000 out over that time period in that monthly expense in, increase. So it's a, it's a real easy scenario to get that done. So that's how the for sale by owner is handled, at least when it's, you know, at least when we do it. I want to get Candace in the mix here. And then I want to ask you this question How do you think this is going to play out, Andy Zeman? Yeah. Uh, once, like, I want to see your primary scenario. First, Candace, anywhere you want to go on this, um, it's now in the layman's lexicon. Um, what's happening here with this industry? Anywhere you want to go? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I, there, a couple things come up to mind. It's a great point that really the difference in the overall payment um, to include the professional real estate service and um, ability to have someone on your side representing your best interests as a purchaser is really um, minuscule for the amount of help that we uh, realtors do uh, provide. Um, one of the things that I always like it, liken it to, as my, my lovely client, Ms. Norris, would say, um, you don't go to the dentist and call for an emergency appointment if you don't have a toothache. You don't go to the doctor if you don't have a reason to go. Just, hey, I feel like spending money and showing up for and wasting my day today. So whenever you have a problem, you go to a professional who you have confidence in and you expect to assist you through this situation. Same like a realtor and a quality lender. Your realtor is there for you, specifically looking for your needs. And all of this publicity and all of this media attraction, it's really just hiding up. You know, we all know that the media typically goes for the biggest, scariest thing because fear sells. Um, you know, we'll, we'll play off of that role. So all this hype, all this information, it really hasn't changed much from a dollar to zero. However, the publicity of this is going to have a great impact in this O shift. And who's better to pivot? Well, perception is than, reality at this point. 
Right, right. So the perception of the public really needs to, it needs to be the realtor's responsibility. And on, I am on the board of our, our Charlottesville Association area of realtors, but I'm speaking today on this show just as myself and my own business with Buy and Sell Seville, um, where I do help people buy homes as well as sell homes. So coming from both sides of that, those individuals that know the value of a, an educated, experienced, professional realtor will, beyond any comparison, get the value out of that, and it will save you time, heartache, money, energy, effort, because when something does go wrong, that's not when you then want to pick up the phone and say, hey, sorry, I told you I didn't need you, but now I do. So, <laughs> so Candice, what do you think is the number one skill that you bring to the table? What's the number one skill that you bring to the table when you help a buyer or a seller? What's it, the one it, thing we experience. do? Experience. Negotiations, right? We negotiate. It, yes. We negotiate for, for a living, and Andy jumps into this all the time because, look, that's what we were talking about before we went, we went hot, was that the transaction from contract to close is very different than it was 20, 25 years ago, mm -hmm. and I can't tell you how many negotiations have to happen, and you deal with this every day, Andy, from the point of contract to close that things are blowing up, things need to get fixed, you know, helping the pro helping the closing get from point A to point B. Is that a fair fair assessment of how paths go? Yeah, I, I think I think what this opens up as an opportunity is there's there's finally now going to be an understood difference between the twenty percent that really know what they're doing and the eighty percent that are in this to sell one I mean the average real estate agent sells one, maybe two houses a year, and that was in a really good market. Very much so. You know, the, right now, the average mortgage professional closes less than one loan a month. So what's going to you know, to your point, Jerry, and I'll answer this, I think the end result is there's going, to be a, there's going to be a purge. I think the market has created an opportunity where things have slowed down. How much, how much do you think is going to get purged out? Uh, the herd is going to get called. I'd say 40%, yeah. minimum 40%. 40, 50 is yeah. my number. Yeah, and, and you know what? Here's the funny part. So from my standpoint, you know, obviously I, I, I'm on the mortgage side. I'm not in the real estate side. So this, I'm not quite as uh, – I've talked to some realtors that are very fearful about this. Well, I remember experiencing the same exact fear when Frank Dodd went into place and the mortgage industry was changing. And you know what came out was we got rid of, the, we got rid of some of the riffraff. There you go. They couldn't make it. And – the end result is there's a differentiation now between the professional and the amateur. And there's now going to be the ability for a consumer to understand what they're hiring potentially based on cost basis. And so that- But, but all that, and Candace, jump in, all that conversation should have happened. If you've sure. done your job right, sure. and if you've done your buyer broker yeah. agreement, right? Well, it, that's what I was gonna say too. People are forgetting. So again, the, the hype and the media and the, the perception of, of realtors being these people that are taking advantage and all that, it, it's a very, very, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but here at least locally, the professionals that I work with and have the pleasure to work with and educate and help educate through the board, um, there is a reason the buyer brokerage was created in the first place, right? Let's not forget that. So we go back it's to implementing It's a reason it's a state law, this. by the way. 
Well, yeah, in Virginia, I mean, thank goodness we're in an area. I remember because I was a realtor when when this came about, and in learning and pivoting again this shift um, into understanding and explaining to people, my potential clients, what it is that we do as a representative in the real estate industry, and how we are there to help and assist through the process, and why it is important for both sides to have their own representation. You know, attorneys. Um, most of them don't represent clients in the same transaction. Why should realtors do that? Oh, this is on every, this, this is the next <laughs> thing. The next thing is dual agency. Yes. Look yes. for that to go Explain. away. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you, Candace. Oh, oh, goodness. Well, I love, you know, again, I think I, I always take it from the perspective of knowledge is power. And if somebody is doing something that is not appropriate, let's say, or um, not beneficial to the, the transaction or their own client, I love taking this as an opportunity to educate them and give them resources and, and information so that we can be better at our jobs and better at representing the, the you know, our clients. Um, Oh my goodness! I forgot what the question dual was. Agency. I dual, so dual, agency. Dual, dual, dual agency dual. should go away. This, and this is just the yeah, layman's work. perspective here. Well, I can tell you in our shop, you, you, there's no such an animal as dual agency. Okay, we should set the table for dual agency so, for those that don't know. So I'm going to let Candace because what I'm doing, Andy, is I'm counting how many agents in our footprint done less than three transactions. Woody Fitcher oh. literally just huge. asked this question, how long before dual agency gets a, gets a spotlight? Go ahead, Candace. Well, here's, the th- here's I think what did. I think the biggest issue <laughs> with... <laughs> yeah. Oops, sorry. Well, what, what happens is a for sale by owner, we don't want to say FISBO because that is a franchise name or a, a name we don't want to for talk. So owner. a for sale Thank by you, owner or somebody who is representing themselves on the buyer's unrepresented side or the, the seller's unrepresented side. What that means is now the licensed person professional that is coming in is going to have to do twice the work to not disclose or say anything inappropriate. They're going to have to be really knowledgeable of who they represent, why, and how to get our clients, not the opposing side, through this transaction and and get them what they want out of it. That's what we do. So now a for sale by owner comes along they're a doctor, they're a, a psychiatrist, they're a, a vet, whoever they are, whatever they do, a car mechanic, please help me if you need it. Um, but, you know, whatever you do on your daily job and your day-to-day 40 hours a week for 20 years, that's what you know. So you look at a professional in the real estate industry, this is what we know. We expect certain things to happen and we know the timelines because this is what we do on a day-to-day basis and we educate our clients. This other party that's not represented they're going on the internet and you know what happens when you google anything you're going to find whatever you want to find even if it's not accurate so i'll put it in simple terms and throw it to andy zeman dual agency <laughs> is when an agent represents both the buyer and the seller yeah so, okay, I, so that's I, I a very simple term i needed to do some counting so yeah. i'll jump into this it's an interesting out of 2300 so i'm just taking a took a look at the mm-hmm. at the statistics data there's 2300 transactions that have been done and this is includes bright and the whole big throw only 8 from 1800 have done more than 3 so out of 23000 transactions 1800 only done more than 3 just a, somebody who's smarter than me can figure the math out right right but that there's a lot of transactions there's pages and pages on the spreadsheet that have 0.51 
I mean, it's just, it's, I never realized it was that much. Chad Wood giving Andy Zeman props, calling you an absolute legend. Multiple elected officials watching the program here. Nikki Chambliss of KWA watching the program. Katie Pearl watching the program. I see, I count six very members from different brokerages on the program right now. Andy Zeman, you know this in- industry inside and out. I'm just going to throw it open-ended anywhere you want to go on any topic, and then I have Ooh. some specific ones for you on this. Wow. All right. So I, I think the big thing is where do we think as an industry, where do we see it going? I, I don't think that buyer's representation is going away. I think that buyers are going to have an opportunity to now pick and choose. And, and look, back to something that you said on the show, I think last time, Keith, is – I do think the industry, you said it today as well, the industry did it to itself because the way that the way that commission was presented, it was presented in such a way as the buyer always felt like they weren't paying anything. That's now, exactly right. My opinion, again, this is nothing more than opinion, but my opinion is the buyer's actually paying all of the commission because it's included in the price point of the house. So I think in order to make it easy for the industry to get dual representation on both – well, not dual representation by the definition we just came up with, but representation on both sides and get more agents involved in transactions, I think it became very easy to just say, well, buyers, it's free. It's never been free. It's always been included. But it's also been negotiable. I always – Well – I always negotiate. A lot of folks don't realize that. No, you're right because the the general industry standard is, well, it's 6%. Now, I I can tell you over the course of the last two years, we've seen – and the NAR has published these stats. We've seen those numbers becoming eroded, and they're becoming eroded because, number one, everybody knows that after closing – I mean I have – plenty of realtors that have done this where uh, you know we had somebody the other day a buyer's microwave went bad two days after they closed Let me write a check. so so they got a microwave from the from the real estate agent right so when you really count those things in the commission percentages are dropping but it creates an opportunity for a buyer and a seller to now pick and choose what they think they're hiring and its value we do so, not do a good job of explaining no. our value explaining how we get paid and I say the proverbial we, right? Right. Uh, the thus the, the sitting at this table are not part of that we. No, we're talking about industry as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, from the mortgage standpoint, I, I will say this. Since, since the mortgage meltdown, we have had no choice but to justify what we do. And look, all of our money comes from the same place. It all comes from the mortgage-backed securities that exist. There's very modest differentiation between bank to bank to bank and a cost basis. Truth is, the joke is you can always find somebody willing to do it for 100 bucks cheaper. That's the mortgage industry. And what we've become very good at is we've become very good at establishing what our value is. Here's what I think happens moving forward. I think that the Candaces of the world and the Andes of the world need to be more closely aligned. Because see, look, here's the theory. Candace can say, and truthfully, can say all the things that make her fantastic about what she does in this business. But when she does, she's selling. She's selling herself. And we as Americans, myself included, we don't like to be sold anything, but we want to buy everything. So the trick here is who can you work with? And this is, I mean, this is basically how I've built my career is how can I say all of the things about Candace that she can't say about herself that make it such that that buyer really understands her value without her having to actually say it. How can she do that for me? Because the reality is, is when I do those things, I'm reinforcing her and I'm reinforcing her true value proposition. I'm putting my name and my reputation on the line for what she delivers, and that's and I'm willing to do it when they're good at what they do, and vice versa, she contributes and does the same thing for me. Then, as a team, we're able to make the client's goals 
happen. So what I think is going to happen is there's going to be change in the real estate industry. But I think the value proposition of a really great closer or referral loan officer and a really great closer and referral realtor is going to have, it's now going to be the platinum standard. It's going to have an immense amount of value. Correct. The Mm -hmm. partnership is what matters, right? Right. That's how you get from point A to point B. And that's what I've been talking about. You know, look, the easiest and and, and the evidence of this, hey, I put a house on the contract in 13.9 seconds, right? That's the easy part of what we do. Sure. Right? That's the easy part. Yeah. The easy part is finding a house, putting it under contract, and negotiating. That's right. kind of the easy part. The hard part is getting through the financing and getting it to close and handing the key. That's where the well, skill true. level and the partnerships matter. Right. And if you don't have that ability, then you're going to be in a – without question in a much more um, – uh, I, I guess – you're going to be in a discount standard. There's no doubt about it. You're going to make less. And so that's what I think the model potential is of the future is you've got traditional buyer's agents. You've got a la carte brokerages that are doing things like, hey, for you know, $595, we'll negotiate your home inspection for you. And it's paid up front. And if the, fa- if the deal falls apart in contract negotiation, it's like a home inspection. It was paid. It was an a la carte fee. It's, it's done. So, Candace, that actually includes now this called limited yeah, you know, yeah. representation. It's just not... Been, it's just not, been, it's not been mainstream. And, and you're, you're 100% right. I've said on the show a couple times, and Candace, jump in on this, and I'll continue to say it. I've been doing this since 87. I've never been more excited about real estate than I am right now. Yeah. Because this is when the pros like you and the pros like Candace and the pros like the ones that are doing multiple sales uh, show up and who can navigate their, their own work. It, it's funny. I... Um, I uh, well, I was watching a, I love watching movies with the kids, right? You got to get out of reality and all the stress and all the things. Um, and, you know, it was an older movie, but the main actor um, was a realtor. And it was so funny because in one of the scenes, he's like, oh, it's my anniversary. I got to go. I'm already late. You know, he finally like, signs a contract with someone. He's like, okay, great. He's leaving the restaurant and people go, oh, I heard you're a realtor. We're looking at buying. And you see him just go, oh, man, I'm so late already. But, well, no, this is what I do. And it's because it is genuine. I love it. And my kids were laughing at it. And like, mom, that's what you do. I'm like, yes, because I love you guys. I love spending time with you. But I love what I do. I love helping people and working with partners. So one of the statistics that really hit home for me 13 years ago when I got into this industry was that... As a realtor, like he says, too, one of the three ways to get around the sun, one of those shelter. And we get to meet and and be in the depths of um, (laughs) wearing all the hats, the firefighter, the therapist, the (laughs) the police officer. We go through this with people in their most feared, most highly stressed and and financial um, situation of their life. No matter how many times you've bought or sold or investment properties, it's a huge thing. So we are here and our local partners are here with us to be that back end stressing out and up at night and all that. But then when we talk to you, we have a game plan. We have the background, the knowledge, the experience in a tangible way to say, okay, this is what you want to do. This is how we're going to get you there. I'm here with you and let's roll, you know? Why Andy is so successful. It's not the interest rate. It's not the program. Right, exactly. Right? Every, any loan officer can get you an interest rate. Any loan officer can get you a, a program. 
It's the service you provide. It's the relationship that you build and the trust that you build that, that I know my client yeah. is going to get to the finish line and, and you know. So that is, um, you know, what the, the building of trust. And I, I got to clarify a number, Jerry. I, I misread it. It was 11,272. I wrote the wrong number okay. of transactions. 1,800 of them were up. So 9,400, uh, three sales or higher. So 9,473 of all those transactions were three or less. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. I like. Um, I wanted to I bring this back um, from before. We were talking about Disney, and I think of Chick Fil A. You know, you think about service and, and proper things. Um, that's where I come into. You know, I grew up doing construction and, and working and dealing in all the trades: electrical, plumbing, heating, cooling, building. I love it all. Right. Well, how can I provide the best service? And how can I recommend, you know, put my name on the line to recommend somebody who's also going to take care of my clients and make sure communication is key. Um, of course, people can go online and do some online thing, and good luck getting anyone on the phone when something happens. So it's kind of like insurance. You hope you never need it, but you like having it just in case. Well, having a realtor, having a quality lender, having someone local, I usually tell people, of course, you can use whoever you want. But if I can't physically put myself in a chair in front of Andy, then I don't know what is really going on. If they're a lender out in California with time differences and all other stuff, they don't know our process here in this area. How am I going to effectively keep this smooth and calm and keep you de-stressed as much as possible and knowledgeable of everything that's happening if I can't even get this person on the phone? Um, I've, in the past, I literally was about to hop a plane to Georgia because I could not get someone on the phone that I needed to. So this relationship, this Disney experience, this, this passion and care and understanding, you're going to see us in the grocery store. Right. You know, we're not going local. anywhere. We're here. Yeah. Stephanie Wells Rhodes watching the program from Interstate Service Company, um, a home's best friend. Andy, I'll throw this to you. I had a conversation, probably had a conversation about this with, I'd say, conservatively nine brokers locally, including one yesterday. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, 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 he said I could talk about this on the show. Gary Palmer. Um, and he thought yesterday, and, and a conversation with him yesterday, is like the seller's agent, the value proposition with the seller's agent is going to be paramount here. Mm-hmm. And he, he believes that we'll see more um, buyers uh, representing themselves mm-hmm. um, in transactions like this. Um, and he says that um, a seller, he thinks that a seller's agent in the contract with, with uh, when, when, when having the conversation with their sellers, that they're going to have, this is my commission um, if I'm dealing with um, a potential buyer that's represented, and this is my commission if I'm dealing with a potential buyer that's unrepresented, and the commission with a potential buyer that's unrepresented could be higher because in that scenario, the seller's agent is going to have to do more work of, of getting the deal from start to finish because there's no representation on the other side. No, no, no. Yeah. Now that's dual representation, and that's what's going to get us into trouble. So if you start going down, I need to stop you there. If you start going down that route, that's when this dual representation. If the buyer, but if the buyer chooses not to get represented, that's what we're saying. The buyer's choosing. How can the what will the seller do? Because if the sellers, if you're a licensed agent, now you're getting into agency law. Okay. So if a if I'm a licensed agent and I'm representing the seller, yep, right, and I'm now asked to ne- negotiate or do the work of the buyer, I'm now doing dual agency. So I can't negotiate 
for both sides. So the answer to that is, buyer, you need to go hire an attorney to do that. Well, of course, that, yeah. That, the buyer that, would have a closing attorney. So, so yeah. you provide... No, no. The attorney's going to have to negotiate or go through home inspection. I, as a... You, you are now entering into dual representation, and by state law... I'm going to have to now have you sign a document that says I'm doing dual representation, and that means I can't give you any advice or I can't give the, the buyer any advice. What are your thoughts on this topic right here? Because so, I think he thinks this is going to be something that's fairly prolific. Yeah. I, 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 he's half right. That, that's I, not, I, think, I think there are – well, the statement that you made, which is there's going to be more buyers <laughs> that are choosing to be unrepresented, a that's a true statement purely because – you know, we're opening up that floodgate. It's now, it's now considered, you know, free. who knows? Maybe the, maybe the state association, maybe, maybe the NAR, if they can survive these, well, and they're that, not bankrupt. That's what I want to get to, then, what I think is going to happen. Yeah, then maybe, maybe in the end there's a second version of a contract, and the buyer is presented exactly. a contract that says not only are you not represented, but these are the things that you're required to make sure that you're doing. And so you're in the Pacific Northwest, they decoupled yeah. back in 2020. 2019, 2020, New York City's decoupling in January 1 of this year. And that's, I got contracts of both of them. That's exactly what happens. Right. It spells out who gets paid, yeah. what's everybody's. Well, and, 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 and to that end, is it, is it a possibility? Yeah, it's likely going to happen. But the truth is, I, I, well, not the truth. The thing that I think is more likely to occur is going to be you would have that limited agency that steps in and there would be a list of providers in the area that say, okay, well, if you're unrepresented, then we will help you negotiate these pieces. We're not going to represent you, but we're going to make sure that the contracts are filled out correctly. But that's not the listing and agent. That's, that's not the listing other, agent. Some, yeah, and then on, you know, uh, on, on my side of things, as they relate back to me, if we understand this in the, on the mortgage side in the beginning, if we understand that a buyer is going in unrepresented, look, we know how the process needs to move. We can move a process. We're not going to help you negotiate it, but when it comes to, okay, great. Well, what, I mean, we basically, we, I don't want, I don't want buyers. I don't want listing agents and buyers agents. Candidly, once, the, once I'm handed that ball, I don't really want them having to do anything that, that, that enters into my play, my field of play. And that's because, I mean, I'm a control freak. Well, like, and there's another reason why. This, now you have to disclose certain things if, if you know about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, on my side, all I'm thinking about is, great, I just want to move this thing through the process as efficiently and as quickly as possible and get it to the end game. But from a buyer standpoint, when they're talking to me, for example, and we start talking about the things that are going to come up and the risks of not being represented, oftentimes we find that when they really sit down and they look at the numbers and they realize that maybe they do need to include this in their contract price to negotiate it back to a seller, it's not, it's not a big difference. It's not a big deal. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's a discounted commission. Maybe it is full 3%. We don't know how all of that really plays out, but we do know this. We know that, the, that our job as professionals is to establish our value and articulate that value. And where I think the industry is really, the real estate industry is really screwed up is they've never really had to establish their value. Their value proposition. And so, so I, you know, yeah. I mean, there are some that have, but I mean, as an industry, it, you know, the, the sheer, like I had this this morning. So I have, an, I have a client, this is, you know, prime example. I have a client who is shopping for a house and they're struggling to find a home. Home prices are expensive. Rates are high. We're always innovating, trying to find a new way. She's lost a couple of homes. So the agents, uh, who won't be named, but the agent's answer to this was, well, here, let me refer you to another lender who gave us, who gave a snapshot of something that candidly didn't even apply to the client because of the income limits. 
And, and it was like, that is, that's not an answer. That's not an answer to the problem. And so the industry itself has always, the majority, have always hidden behind, well, this is, it's 6% because this is how it's well, done. I'll, I'll just say this out right? loud, right? Yeah. And I've said it before. The bar of entry in our profession, pretty low. Yeah, I mean, the bar to do it well and professionally is pretty high. It's pretty high. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing that I, that that's what this is the good news is this is what's going to come out of this. Yeah, I, I is people it. will soon be able to identify where the value is and what they're willing to pay for it. Similarly to like they do now in the mortgage industry. And you can you can have no service and if you have no service, that's fine. You're choosing to go it alone. I've bought and sold houses by myself. And in fact, we've talked about this before in the Virgin Islands. Like you don't have representation. Yeah. It's a it's a wild process. It's the wild west down there. So I, uh, Jerry brought up the uh, Economist. I've been receiving a copy of the Co- Economist since the 1985. I've bought and sold properties in Europe because my family, Yona's wife, family's in Europe. You talk about a, a, a wild west situation. It is nuts yeah. on, on how on how that works. Just take a look at. It. Try yeah. to buy something in France. Right. Forget about it. Right. You think NAR survives? Oh boy, that's a really good question. So NAR is National Association of Realtors. Uh, so honestly, I think they end up bankrupt. That's what I think. think well, or do they? Well, I think I think what's going to well, happen is new set, I think the new case that was just brought, which is three hundred billion. Billion. I think that was that's in Illinois, three hundred right. billion dollars, yeah. and you can join the class action if you had anything. I think back to nineteen ninety six. And it's every state's going to do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is so going to happen. It'll episode. settle out, but yeah. I don't know how they pay it. So this is just like the cigarette, the asbestos, right? Look, I'm just I'm yeah. just, I'm divorcing myself as a real estate agent. I'm, divor- I'm just talking business. Yeah, at this right, point. right. You've got six billion. You've got three hundred billion. There's some more that's going to come in. The only organization that can settle this is NAR. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I've said this publicly, and I will continue to say this publicly. If I was sitting on the NAR board, I'd be pushing to let's settle this thing. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It doesn't right. matter. At this well, point, it doesn't Well, really now, matter. and the attorney that brought the most recent suit is, it, I think it was the most recent suit in Illinois. It might have been the other one. It's the same one. But they're in, they're, right, they're in conjunction now and in communication with the Justice Department. Yep. So now the Justice Department is involved. Well, the Justice Department has been involved in it. Yeah, they, they wanted to nail. They wanted and, to nail. And, and you know, if they, appeal, if they appeal the bond, what is the bond, 10%? No, that's the whole point. We don't know that yet. So on the 20th of November is going to be the real telltale time is when the judge sets what the bond's going to be. It's generally 10%. It could be more. He has the right to do whatever. And we're talking, say it's 10%. 10% of billions. Six billion. Yeah. Okay. They don't have that. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money right there. So... How many zeros? That's right. We don't have enough fingers. We don't have enough fingers here. a lot of money. So you you, you think they they go bankrupt? No. I think think there's a... I think that there is a good chance that if, if left to the current... Settlement, the judgments that are there, then yes, they can't afford well, it. Well, so here's the thing, Andy. They'll settle because yeah. they're going to have to. Of course. Right? And then guess who gets to pay for yeah, it? Yeah, the, the members of CAR or the members of NAR, excuse me. And you know, the, the you best think, part of all of this is you know who's getting the happen. money exactly. in the end of anything that's settled? It's the attorneys. Right. The yeah, well, that's where the money no goes, right? Money right. Money so I, I think what's going to happen here is. Um, Remax set. The, I think Remax set the stage on how this is. They were the first to settle. They were the first to settle. I and think and Remax has set the stage how this is going to go. You know, between now and the three hundred million billion, whatever the heck that number is, I think Car will, Car of course is going to 
has to proceed with the with the appeal. It, it has to do. They're that. saying NAR, 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 sorry, yeah, National Association of Thank you, NAR. Concurrently, I hope they're negotiating for some sort of settlement on that. That it's going to be worked out for ten years. There's going to be some obscene number. Mm-hmm. We get to pay it over the period of time, whatever number of realtors are left over. Right. Um, put this to bed, change our system, and that's ultimately what these well, plaintiffs want. But but here's the point then that I think is is and I'm not getting myself in all kinds of trouble. Right. Well, no, it's okay. This is <laughs> this is what's missing, I think, from there, which is in that settlement. What is expected is as a real estate agent now. You or as a realtor, you no longer have to be. I mean, you do to, to call yourself a realtor. You have to be part of the National Association. Remax of did that, right? But now you don't necessarily have to participate in NAR and pay your dues to get access through the MLS. So now let's just assume that NAR has to raise their dues tenfold. People will leave in order. Right? They'll in, peace out. Correct. And so they will be a real estate agent. They will no longer be a realtor. And NAR is left in a position where how do they recover the dues? Beginning of October, I was speaking. That's what I think is going to happen, what Uh, you just laid out. Beginning of October, when this all happened, I was in the room when the REMAX settlement in anywhere with their CEOs. I was also with the CEO of Bright. I said, so tell me this. If I become a member of Bright, do I have to be a member of NAR and a member of whatever? And the answer is no. And the only answer that they gave back to me was, is if you get into trouble, we're not going to, you know, if you right. get to a lawsuit, we're not going to come and, right. and, and save your save. Well, your if that's the case, I mean, you know, can, can, can the E&O insurance, yeah. it opens yes. up the opportunity. You just, can up, an E&O, you, you just, you just up your E&O insurance. Exactly. And is that, in the end of the day, is that cheaper than the Nardus? Yes. I think, I think yes. the one, like, I think the model that yeah. benefits the yeah. most from this, this is just looking at how, you know, how the real estate profession has evolved. By the way, this is a really interesting statement that I'll make. If I told you guys, if I told you that 10 years ago, if we could rewind the clock and I was sitting down with you, Candace, 10 years ago, and we did, right? We would sit down 10 years ago. And I said to you, hey, great news. I want you to know that the bulk of the real estate industry will be in a position where they will be reliant upon most of their leads from uh, mortgage companies and uh, and companies that own mortgage companies and real estate, uh, you know, basically lead gen sites. And so I want to start that model today, 10 years ago. And I said, if you just give me 300 bucks a month, then I can generate leads for you and I'll be handing you leads. I would have been thrown out of every real estate office on the planet because they're like, no way, dude, you're in the mortgage industry. The reality is, is we send deals to you. Remember, this is how it works. Well, now if you look, you've got Rocket owns their own real estate company. You've got Veterans United owns their own real estate company. Cap Center owns their own real estate company. Right? So all of these things are already happening. And what you know what's really interesting is if a real estate agent is going to truly survive in this market, the great ones like Candace and you, Keith, as well, is you've got to learn how to go back and do the work. You've got to develop the leads. You've got to do this. So now I think this is going to absolutely crush and cannibalize the Zillow leads. The realtor.com leads that come, those are going to be Homes. extinct. Homes.com is the fastest growing. It's a local person that yeah. owns it, great CEO on it. Um, they, are, they announced at the CEO event that they're going to be doing a uh, – they're going after Zillow, which I guess is a broker, so I should be careful with this. Um, going when, after the model of Zillow. The model right. of Zillow. Thank you they for saying They want saving. to upset the model. Right. Thank, thank right. you for saving well me. Well done, Andy. I'm <laughs> always here to just save everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Right. I appreciate well that, Andy. And I do a horrible job of saving myself. So, uh, but what they're going to do – Here's your box of crayons. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
That was hilarious. Well done. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well done. Nice well done. And, and my ADD kicked in. I forgot what the hell I was going to do. Well, I want to so, so, I, I jump in real quick. Yeah, please. So, I want to bring it back around. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes, call me. Um, so, talking about buyer agency and how when working with a, a person selling their home. So, this is one of those big things that in the beginning it was really confusing. A selling agent is a buyer representative. A seller is someone who is listing their home. So there's listing representation and then there's buyer representation just because it gets confusing to some people. Anywho, the, the fact is when I first got in it, Marjorie Adam, thank you, kudos to you for teaching me so well and actually introducing me to Andy in the beginning back you know, over a decade ago. Um, but know that contract in and out. Inside and out. We are not attorneys. However, we negotiate, like Keith said in the beginning, we are professional negotiators. Our job is to understand and know you as an individual, know what your needs are, and navigate through these troubled waters most of the time. And by doing this and by meeting with someone who wants to list and sell their property, that's when we have these conversations. And we say, you know what? There have been discount brokerages. There have been limited um, agency representation. There have been um, for sale by owners and unrepresented buyers. This is nothing new. Back when Marjorie taught me you know, 12, 13 years ago, know what you know, know your value, and present that you know, having the papers, having the documents, and talking and meeting and having that consultation before anything else happens is the key and the goal. And there are going to be realtors out there, and there currently are, that, you know what, yeah, I'll do it for 300 bucks. Yeah, I'll attend, I'll attend the home inspection, sure. Well, you're going to get what you pay for. There's always their, um, the uh, lock company downtown on Stewart Street. <laughs> um, I love it. They have, you know, the three things, and I usually butcher things, so I'll go through it in my country way. But, you know, you get two out of the three. It's either going to be fast, it's going to be good, or it's going to be cheap. Pick your poison. You can't get all three. You can't get all three. So yep. as, you, as you were speaking. I did it. You did it well. You didn't butcher it. That was excellent. Good job. <laughs> That's, I'm keeping that. That was excellent. <laughs> as you were speaking, I came up with an idea. Uh -oh. This is your opportunity. <laughs> Love. Uh, uh, we, we, we should collectively put together a bunch of recent buyers and bring them to sit at the table and say, okay, let's talk about your experience. Let's talk about where the value, not from talking heads of yeah. the industry, yeah. but actual buyers. So if there's any buyers out there that have, that have recently closed and they wish to sit in front of us, you know, we'll, we can do this in later November or December, and just talk about the experience uh, from it and, and, and how you think this might impact you if you were doing it, doing it today. Look, at the end of the day, NARA's going to have to settle. We're going to end up having new rules. Um, the, the agent count's going to drop. It's, it was going to drop anyway because we're 63% down from 2000. It's going to drop faster. Yes. <laughs> now it's just going to drop a little, bit, a little bit faster on it. But I, I, you know, I will continue to say this. The pros at the table are going to do freaking awesome because we can explain to the buyer, to the seller, how we do our job, what our value is, and we're uncomfortable. And I'm going to ask you a question. How many, how many contracts you see have attached the buyer-broker agreement or have – and the reason I'm bringing this up is, is so many agents I talk to – they don't sign the buyer-broker agreement in time until the contract is done, which is not how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Do you have any information on that? Uh, you don't see much of that? Yeah, I mean, we see every contract that comes through. I look at everyone that comes through. Less than 10% have that. 
yeah. attached to the you know to the contract yeah. and less than ten percent have that attached to the contract. Well, yeah. so, so at the time so, when I get the contract, so uh, yes, in, yes. in defense of that, we always attach it. Right, with, it with doesn't have contract. to be sent. It to doesn't it. have to be sent. Okay, to it, right? Uh, but we always do because we want to be brutally clear <clears throat> yeah. that we're representing this client and this is our terms and. Well, you know, I, I, I to kind of give the agents that are out there a little bit of a little bit of hope, right? I, I live by a very simple principle, which is that life is full of one of three stages. You're either going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. That's it. <laughs> That's all you have. That's the way it works. And this is the beginning of the storm. We'll enter into the storm and then out of the storm will create opportunity, but you have to look forward. You have to be a forward thinker. And you know the thing that I that 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 I look at, and, and I love your idea of bringing buyers to the table. But here's the challenge I would give everybody that's in real estate right now, or mortgage, or any other client-facing industry: Have you really stopped to think about what your experience, what your process is, what your experience feels like? To the consumer, have you ever really put yourself in their shoes and said, "Okay, well, if I got my information this way, or if I was given this, or I was told this that way, how would I feel as a consumer?" Because I would, I would bet that the bulk of the way that things are being done, the reason this lawsuit is presented, the reason that this judgment got passed down, is mostly because the real estate industry never really stopped to think about how does it look and how does it feel. To the consumer using this, which back to our point earlier, Disney does a phenomenal job with. There's plenty of Chick-fil-A typically does a phenomenal job with it. There are industries that have made it their passion to think about what it feels like to be on the other side of the, of the transaction, the experience, the, whatever it would be. And if we just stop and we think about that, those of you that are doing that are going to excel. Even if right now you're not one of the top producers, you will become one because you've created a process that the consumer wants to be involved with. Mm-hmm. So, let's go to questions, questions, questions here. Um, Katie Pearl, this is, this is a good one for you, Candice. Um, does, and I'm going to read it verbatim. She says, does, does not CAR, doesn't CAR still require a NAR membership? Yes. CAR still requires NAR membership, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Will that change? Okay, maybe I'm I won't not, throw that to you. I'm not I'll throw going that. to speak on that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Will that change? It'll only change if NAR says it's okay not to be part of NAR. There's two parts to this also. Um, so let's speak to the EXP, uh, excuse me, the REMAX separation. So REMAX corporately. REMAX parent. Corporately. Yeah. Has divorced itself from NAR and has has give direction downstream to its franchisees, if you own a REMAX franchisee, franchise, you can divorce yourself from NAR if you wish to do that. This is why it's paramount, in my opinion, that NAR settles this as quick as possible, right? Come up with the terms and conditions, change its rules, formally, uh, it is, it's in a matter of when, decoupling will happen. And it's just going to creep across the country. Different MLSs are going to start doing it. Right now, NAR has said it could be zero. Our, uh, our MLS says $1. So when you're at zero, you're just decoupled, right? And, you're, and as agents, you've got to do your job. You've got to be a professional. Be professional. Be caring. Be trustworthy. Be able to communicate to your buyer what your role is, how you do it, and how you get, how you get paid. 
and there'll never be a problem. And unfortunately, lots of real estate agents, believe it or not, are uncomfortable about talking about money, mm-hmm. right? Which is the weirdest thing for me. Well, I think it, it's because um, there are, you know, it's similar. I come from construction to the restaurant industry and into oh, yeah. real estate. I merged merged my passion for helping people with in knowing infrastructure, right? So. Um, it, it really couples into, you know, I remember um, back when pharmaceutical reps were able to really lay it on thick at doctor's offices. And when that changed, it impacted the restaurant industry because we were now not catering to all these pharmaceutical reps, right? right. Well, they had to shift. <clears throat> then a few years ago, um, you know, uh, pediatric doctors and doctors were kind of in the limelight. Now it's realtors in the limelight. So I think that across the board, there are these shifts, the O shift that happens and pivoting that happens. This is an opportunity, like he said before, and I love, oh my gosh, Simon Sinek, I absolutely adore him. Why? Why is this happening? It's because of communication and negotiations, and education. So if we communicate appropriately and we educate the consumers out there, that's why this is all happening. There is a, there is a decoupling of proper representation and communication, and it hit a point that now it's become a national thing. Um, otherwise, leading forward, no matter what happens, people are going to want trusted, reliable, caring, expertise when they're doing the biggest financial decision of their life. And they should have that. So my goal here, locally at least, is to be able to educate and promote the the code of ethics that we abide by. So no matter if NAR, um, you know, VAR, any of it, there's a code of ethics and a moral standing that we need to uphold. Well, here's here's something to add to that. So to take you back to Obviously, the industry that I'm part of, when we had the shift and Frank Dodd occurred and you had to start as a – at the time, I was a broker. Now, now I'm with a bank. But at the time, I was a broker and we had to and still do to this day. We had to shift and there was then a disclosure of the compensation, which was listed on at the time what was the HUD statement. Mm -hmm. Well, there's plenty of people that didn't survive because the the commentary had to shift. And we had to get comfortable saying – instead of saying – well, look, my, uh, my brokerage firm pays me a little bit in order to do your mortgage, and you don't know how much it is. They can't judge what the value was all the way to you know, back in that day, the traditional mortgage company as a whole from literally from very tippity top all the way down. There was about five points that was made, so about 5% was the amount of money that was made from super top end all the way down to little old me doing mortgages. And that number, in the end, uh, most it. of it had to be disclosed at that point in time. So now what you have is you have a real estate industry that if I were a realtor right now, I would immediately take the shift, the unpopular shift of telling my buyers that 3% that I'm getting paid is in your contract price. So if, if – and this is what I so say I, on my I end. think that – so much so – to interrupt you, Andy. So the nor, – excuse me, the Pacific Northwest and the – Doc contract in New York has that, just like a commercial contract. Right, and it should, I think, it's I, right I think it contract. should be verbalized. The, I think it should be said and said, absolutely. look, I'm going to be compensated by you within your purchase price absolutely. at rough at 3% or 2.5% or whatever the number is. And here's how, here's how you get through it. So realtors, trust me, this is your, this is your golden ticket. 
if at any point in this process you don't feel like I'm earning that commission, I need you to stop what we're doing and you need to tell me immediately. And then we're going to fix whatever is wrong and we're going to go back to creating the value that you should demand and expect. So at the end of the day, it's a freaking contract. That's it. It's a contract. There's yeah. a buyer broker agreement. It's a contract between me and you. I'm doing this services. You're paying this this amount of money. Yep. Right. It just happens to be rolled into the purchase price. Yep. It's in the contract. And this is why since 2020 to now, I, I read a report this morning in the Pacific Northwest. So this is Seattle, the whole, whole nine yards. The number of eggs hasn't changed. Yeah. It's just nothing's changed. It's just been disclosed. Everybody knew what they were getting. It's very transparent. And I keep on saying this. I had a great conversation with Greg Slater, you know, and, and you know, I love Greg to death. But at the end of the day, as an industry, we did this to ourselves. So now's the time to fix it. Right. But, but you, you're a prime example. Dodd-Frank did this to you. Right? Well, we did it to ourselves. Yeah, exactly right. You did it to yourselves. Dodd-Frank changed it. Yep. And guess what? You're still doing business, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's changed the way we do it and how we do it. But, you're still doing but it's business. honestly made us better. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's made the clients more confident with the services that we provide. As an industry, we became more trustworthy because the transparency was forced. Yeah. So take... Take the initiative now and get used to telling that story before it's mandated. Get good at it when it doesn't really matter. The reality is, is if you, they've already written the contract, the truth is you're getting paid the same no matter what. They're probably not going to negotiate the, at, that, at that point. But go on the offensive and take the approach to, to create accountability and, around those dollars. That's and great I, advice. And that's I'm great gonna, advice. And I'm going to say this out loud. When you have 9,471 uh, transactions or realtors in this marketplace. You're talking um, in which market specifically? Our, our market, our right. marketplace, right? So these are the number of transactions yeah. that, that have, uh, have happened. There was 11,272 transactions that, that had happened. This, this is our region, right? The whole region. Yeah. In that up. But when 9,000 of that 11,000 have done three transactions down, I'm not so sure that two, you know, you, you got to do enough to right. know how to Absol- do the job. Absolutely. By, by the way, great, great book. To check out if you if you like that idea of just owning it and and putting it out there is uh, is extreme ownership by uh, by Jocko Willick. That's you know I think that's that's a great model for how to get on the front end of it and have extreme. So I, I promised my wife I wouldn't use the number anymore, but, but oh. from from two thousand and seven and eight to two thousand and ten, which we is lost the num- we which lost number? The number of how much money we actually oh, lost. Oh. We lost everything we had. It was in the many 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 millions of millions of dollars. And I was asked the other day, how do you go from that to where we are now being, in my opinion, super successful on that? Transparency, you own it, right? Right? It. You build relationships, never worry about the money, and the money will follow. Yeah. So be transparent, own it, and move on. And you will do fine. It'll take some time, but you will do fine. I think to um, pointing out, I, I, I absolutely adore Woody and Denise and the show the other day, um, I guess it was Monday. Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, like Woody said too, you know, we are, we work for our clients um, with the understanding that we have a contract that we are going to fulfill the, the needs in this industry to get them from point A to point B. It's pro bono until a closing occurs. I've had clients for 
multiple years that end yeah. up moving away and not doing anything here locally. And I've had clients that the very first home that we see, they just absolutely knew it was theirs from the beginning. One of the things that we need to remember also is there are always going to be unrepresented people who either, um, you know, like you... It, have done many transactions on your own and investing in, in personal stuff. Okay, well, you feel comfortable, great. I hope that my, my clients appreciate me for what I do. But like Woody had mentioned too, we do this for free. You know, our services are not... Um, we are not being paid for our time, and time is a four-letter word. Now, when the transaction comes to completion and there is settlement, we are then compensated for the transaction, but not for the 800 other homes we showed or the 50 times we had to get babysitters. Or you get all the way to closing family and the, the deal events. falls apart. And, uh, correct. And that's the thing, too. You know, um, I wanted to point out, obviously, people are that's able to have to whoever me, represent them. Um, but <laughs> the realtor's happened, right? job is to negotiate through those, those situations. An attorney's job is to take and appropriately do the amazing job that they do. Um, however, they are not there at the home inspection with you. They're not looking through the report and, and standing in the attic. Well, I go in the attic and crawl space of every home my clients are interested in. But they are not there through this process every step of the way. They are getting verbatim, tangible information to put on a piece of paper. They are not on the emotional roller coaster or storm um, that your realtor and your lender take through with you. And then at the end, if the best thing in your interest is to not proceed, then we got to get you out of that still not having been compensated. I'll throw this to you. I'll throw this to you. What if the, if the model pivots and buyer's representatives are paid either hourly or on a retainer, then you're getting compensated for your time and not having to wait till this extremely long process I think it's closing. a horrible situation for the consumer yeah. because then what are you paying for? Well, well, how do bring... you know that your agent is doing their best? It's like being tipped to ensure prompt service. It's, it it's, used to be a thing. It's definitely extremely difficult scenario for the first-time home buyer that's already stretched financially, but in just about every other industry, time is compensated for. You can it's do that not now. a percentage of sale. It's a retainer. Now. Jerry, you can do this I, now. Yeah, yeah it, it, it currently has not it done. Is, you can. Most people don't want to spend out the money. I do a fair number of consulting on transactions. I do a substantial amount of it. And the hardest thing for me to negotiate is in the, in the deal is to get a, a retainer, a monthly retainer, because we're talking tens of millions of dollars in the transactions. Very hard to do. We've got to have a skill set. I mean, this is what I do. Well, I, I, my retainer is 5000 It's this. If you don't want to pay, I'm not going to work. With so a lot of that, and you're getting down to a broker-agent relationship because the brokers are ultimately yeah, they have to that, allow it. The, the broker has to yeah. ulti ultimately allow it. 100. He's do, got something on this. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say er, earlier, I indicated I think one of the one of the models that comes out of this is a boutique team brokerage, which is an individual broker, not you know not affiliated with a Remax or an EXP or whatever. The, uh, maybe it could be, I guess, an EXP, but they're running that model and they've got buyer's agents that are currently on salary with a small amount of compensation Just when they sell a house. Right. New construction, but, same way. Yeah. But the end result is is that they don't they don't worry about charging a, um, a whatever, a 3% or a 2% uh, commission to the 
to the buyer's agent, right? Because they're paid effectively by the hour anyway. And so the buyer comes in and works with them. And, and we're already seeing a lot of these boutique teams, they control a lot of inventory in a marketplace. Yeah. So the reality is, is they've got on staff buyer's agents that if you could compensate them for, I, I'm going to make up a number, say it was 25 bucks an hour. Well, you're also going to see people in the end not necessarily driving everybody all over God's green earth because they know it's cost them 25 bucks an hour. So they're ready to go out and see the house. Very interesting you brought that $25 mm-hmm. an hour up because when, when I sit down with the listing on a listing, I actually go through. This is what it's going to sell for. I do a net proceeds sheet yeah. with them. I go through. These are my expenses. This is how this works. 25 an hour is 50K. And it, Sorry. it, it depends on how many transactions depends you do. on how many hours you work it depends on how many transactions yeah. you do yeah. so um on a typical yeah. transaction right on your side but when it's truly paid by the hour it's 50k a year got, yeah, yeah. yeah. you said yeah. you do 500 transactions and it's it's obviously a lot more it's a lot more you do yeah. too yeah. well yeah. he only has the x amount of hours he can work in a day though right. well yeah. the other thing too to remember is a transaction is complete to close yeah. How many, how many, I wonder on your statistics, how many were released? How many expired? How yeah, many I, I, went through and, looked, and had Homeowners Association or Condo Association? Or how about the rates have changed in their new construction that was taking 18 months now? They don't qualify anymore, so that goes away. Um, there's a lot that we deal with, and, and we work for our, our clients nonstop. Until closing, and then we're paid to be there throughout the entire process and beyond. Right. So As Andy I, will tell you, too, that, that communication after the fact is why we don't, you know, um, uh, put our head under the sand yeah, and go I, away. I can't remember the stat. It's some obscene amount percentage. Can't remember who their real estate agent was. Oh, it happens all the time. Oh, right, right, yeah. yeah. It happens all, like where, where I asked that question. But I think as a whole, it's, you know, for our audience out there that are in the real estate environment – or serial entrepreneurs, I think we're crazy to think that that model doesn't, some type of environment like that doesn't get some traction. 100%. Somebody's going to try those things and they're sure. going to see what works. And Until that pendulum mm-hmm. swings and all of a sudden yeah. it now stops being a, a seller's market and it goes to a bar market. Correct. I, 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 we only got a few minutes yeah. left, right? And, and I, I want to pick that big, beautiful brain of yours about uh, crystal ball stuff going. He's going, got a boatload of lenders go, watching the program going, right now. Going forward. Michael Buczynski, uh, Mr. Cruz is watching. Michael Buczynski is watching. A lot of your colleagues watching. Ra- a lot of folks at Ross have been watching this uh, to see Andy Zeman on the show. Questions really quickly here. This is for Woody Fincham from Woody Fincham of Fincham & Associates. He's a fantastic appraiser. First, he's given you props. He's given you props, um, Candice. Uh, he says right back at you. Um, Woody Fincham says, where the heck did this comic go? Um, right here. He says, just list the, just list the property considering that there needs to be room for a commission for both sides. If a buyer shows up having a lower amount for their agent's commission, then adjust the price. Uh, he says we should, we should highlight that topic. This one is coming for Andy specifically. Does he expect the rates in 2024 to do a drop? If so, what kind of delta and how will that impact inventory? That was my question. Uh, That's a really good question. So to go to that, we have to go to the data. And the data has recently changed with the jobs numbers that was released uh, two weeks ago. Um, Nowhere near as many jobs created as expected. And that's exactly what the Fed wants. The Fed wants unemployment. They want it harder to get a job. They want it harder to keep a job. And they want people to restrict their spending. So ultimately, 
what the Fed has been doing is working to fight inflation. Inflation is the number one killer of the mortgage-backed securities, mortgage bonds, i.e. mortgage rates. So we saw a nice movement over the course of the last two weeks, which was super helpful. So what happens into 2024, all we can do is look at the data, and the data that we pay closest attention to is something called the Fed dot plot. And the Fed dot plot is the voting governor's opinion of where the Fed funds rate is going to be midway and at the end of, say, 2024. With these job numbers that came out, the Fed governors had a reversal. So we we were all ready and we were essentially fortified against the opinion that it was going to be higher for longer, was kind of the Fed's language. And that was really bad. We had a run-up about a month ago, end of October, in interest rates. And it, I was like, okay, I'm going to call it. I'm mailing it in. I'll see everybody at the end of first quarter there, there isn't anything to do. Yeah. So the, the jobs numbers that were released changed the Fed governor's voting opinions of what's likely to happen next year. Now, the only reason that they're going to lower the federal funds rate or leave the federal funds rate unchanged ID, and then lower it into next year is because inflation is cooling. And if inflation is, in, is cooling, it means that the profitability of a mortgage-backed security is now getting back to where we want it to be. Yeah. So the crystal ball is that it's a, and I always tell everybody, it's a super cloudy crystal ball. Okay, so it's not crystal clear. It's just a ball, and it's got you know some clouds in it. But what I think we're likely to see is we're likely to see from where we are today, somewhere between a half and a three quarter percent rate improvement, not to the federal funds rate, but to actual mortgage-backed securities, yeah, i.e., sure. thirty-year fixed, fifteen-year right. fixed, etc. We're going to see that into next year. It may be modestly more, but if you were to bank on so that by puts mid- out six and a half. Yeah, six and a half is probably a good fair number. Maybe the low sixes. Uh, as we creep into it, I think our forecast for a two to two and a half year time frame is somewhere back into the low 5% range in all reality. But what we are seeing, which is going to be cool, is we're seeing a reversal now in trend between the 10-year and the two-year, and that's creating an opportunity where arms are going to come back in favor. The number one thing that clients don't understand right now is why is an arm more expensive than a fixed-rate mortgage? It makes no sense. They're worthless right now, and the reality is it's because Short-term money is more expensive than long-term money. And we need that to change, and that started to now change. And then we need the federal funds rate to indicate that they believe inflation is cooling. And I think in the next year, well, the ten half years to going three, down as we're looking at it. There you go, half to three quarters of, of a percent rate improvement into next year. Oh, and affordability—that's somewhere between five and eleven percent more affordable. So every one percent of interest rate movement is eleven percent of home affordability, and we need that because house prices are going to continue. What, Candace? Go up. Because inventory is down. Down, and builders aren't. Building. Building. And demand is up and population is increasing. So all of those things indicate house prices are not going to slow. We do not have a bubble. We will not have a bubble. House prices will continue rising. Interest rates coming down by one full percent will offset 11% of price increase over the course of the next couple of years. When's the right time to buy? As soon as you find the perfect house. Now. As soon as you find the house that meets your needs, buy the home. So let's assume... Uh, your wife is watching. She loves. Oh, she loves great! Uh, yeah. I pay her. I yeah, pay her. She's, giving, she's <laughs> giving you some props right now. <laughs> I, I believe me. I know Lovely. how that feels. That's yeah. great. That's great. Um, biggest fan. So six and a half percent. Let's just pick that yeah. number, right? Let's yeah. say mid next year, it starts looking like that yeah. as a number. Does that impact inventory? Does Absolute, that get people off? off absolutely. Off well, it does. But here's what happens. And why? Our inventory isn't going to go anywhere because anybody that doesn't have to move isn't going to trade a three percent rate for a six and a half percent rate unless they really want to move or they have to move. 
Builders aren't going to pick up and instantly fix the inventory issue. Why? Well, because they don't have to. They have built-in price appreciation for the simple fact that they're not meeting the demand. Why would they choose well, to? More than that is it, it, we've just went through an election. It, there's just going to be no more new products. Built. Right. Well, so. and, and so if that inventory isn't, issue isn't getting fixed, here's the thing. When rates move from 7.5 to 6.5, the impression is money is on sale. It's not 3, but it's also not 7.5. So you have now another influx of buyers on minimal inventory, and what do we have again? We have another cycle of multiple offers, oh, yeah. waiving appraisals, waiving home inspections. And how do so, you feel about that? I mean, I, I feel like there are things that can be done to protect people, but I feel like it's, it's a nece- to some extent it's a necessary evil just because the inventory isn't getting fixed. But again, good strategists, great realtors – Great lenders, they have strategies that will allow you to use those those concepts, but not necessarily when stick you in a contract. When trusted advisors matter as well. Yeah, and you have to talk about those outcomes, right? The reality is, is that's what we have to do. We have if we pre-negotiate all of the all of the scary outcomes, and we talk about them before they become part of the reality of this purchase then the client doesn't have to operate out of a position of fear. They've already learned the information. They can make good, educated decisions. So what? When you, the best negotiation, you operate out of a position of? Leverage. Strength. 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 So we've got a couple minutes. That was awesome. I, I need to wrap up. You, you, yeah, I, thanks. You're Sorry. freaking doing great. Yeah. Um, I want to say thank you because I, I didn't think of Dodd-Frank. And I didn't think about your industry, but you're a thousand percent oh, right. Oh, it's, it's ingrained in my brain. Don't yeah, worry. I get it. I went through it. <laughs> I get it. Fear factor, baby. I get it. But, you know, for those out there who are watching and real estate agents in particular that are watching, you can get through this. this there's a path forward yep. to get through this. You just got to improve your professionalism, improve your skills, and you can, and you can get through this. Um, I'm working on, and I'd love to invite you guys back. I'm working on a on a breakdown of okay, if I'm selling a house for 450 and there's X amount of eggs and my cost, this is what we actually net at the end of end of the day. I'm trying to figure out how to do that in a way that um, is digestible and easy to to understand. But when I get it all put together, we'll bring you back on to help. Sounds us, great. He's fantastic. How about closing thoughts for Candace? Oh, goodness. Always a pleasure to be here. Always, always learning something and um, taking away different means for education and, and helping my clients to the best of my ability. So thank you for letting me be here. Absolutely. Keith? Uh, Semplify. Happy birthday to my fellow uh, brothers and sisters, uh, Marines, today. And um, if you see one, tell them Semplify. Buy them a box of, can- a box of crayons. Uh, they'll appreciate that. And, um, and tomorrow's Veterans Day. So to my fellow vets out there. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you for your Thank service. You. And you're Thank off you. Monday. We are off Monday. Thank you for reminding me. Um, I'm riding uh, two back-to-back 112-mile rides on Saturday and Sunday, uh, raising money to prevent suicide, for suicide prevention amongst vets. Uh, I raised some money, and darn it, I'm pretty good at raising money. I probably wish I wasn't that good because I <laughs> now i got to actually ride 222 <laughs> miles. But Monday I will be a little sore and not here. That's good. There you go. Probably the show, stand. guys, archived at realtalkwithkeithsmith.com. Thank you canly, ca- kindly for joining us. For Keith, Andy, and Candace, and Judah Wickhauer, our director, we certainly appreciate your viewership. And the I Love Siebel show is up in one hour and two minutes. So long, everybody. Excellent. Excellent work. Thanks. He's going to tell us nice where job. the mics are all. Yeah. Well done, guys.